So this is Catherine Otto. I'm at the Transcatheter Valve Therapies meeting in Vancouver, Canada. It is uh, June 2014. I'm here with Alec Vahanian. We just had a stimulating session on aortic stenosis and the role of transcatheter valve implantation. So to start with, Alec, how do we decide who needs a transcatheter valve versus who needs a surgical valve? What are the primary considerations? Okay, thanks, Catherine. I think the very first point is to put forward and to emphasize the need for a good heart team discussion because we need this association, the combination, the collaboration of different uh, valve specialists to reach the good uh, decision in terms of patient selection, also for the performance of the procedure and the post-procedural management. So it's really key to push forward this point. And the heart team has, of course, a role in evaluating the severity. It's mostly the role of the cardiologist, the echocardiographist. It's key. But we also should evaluate the patient clinically. And here we do need the expertise of the surgeon, the cardiologist, sometimes geriatrician or other specialists like pneumologists, nephrologists, etc., to correctly assess the risk. And in both sets of guidelines in the U.S. and in Europe, it was clearly said that we should not rely on a single number, Euroscore in Europe, STS score in the U.S. They are not sufficient to evaluate the risk, surgical risk of the patient, so we need to put together all the different aspects of the patient in order to decide this patient is definitely inoperable, this patient is high risk for surgery or is low or intermediate risk, and also, very importantly, to assess the expectancy in terms of length of life and quality of life. And here we really benefit a lot from the geriatricians. Yeah, and I think that last issue is very important. I think that we're seeing very elderly, ill patients who often have a, a very marginal functional status to start with. You know, how do we decide when the patient should have neither aortic valve by surgery or by transcatheter? I mean, we, we tend to think we, they have severe aortic stenosis. Of course, we want to put in a valve, but in some of the data, the patients with the highest risk scores actually didn't do any better with intervention. So how do you identify those patients? I think the, this sort of discussion is very important, and we should act in two different steps. First, when considering any intervention, the general cardiologist, the specialist in internal medicine, or everyone should think intervention if the patient has severe stenosis and symptoms. That is the first step. Then assess if the patient will survive over one year, over two years, and is going to expect an improvement in his quality of life. But this should come afterward. Let's be very simplistic people, think intervention if the patient has severe stenosis and symptoms. We know from your heart survey that 10 years ago it was not the case and we had bad signals from a, a recent survey in Spain performed in three provinces prospectively that half of the patients are still not considered for surgery despite the fact that they have severe symptoms and severe heart stenosis. So there is a lot of room for improvement. 
Yeah, I, I really agree with that, is that the, the goal should be to get patients referred to a heart valve program and considered even if the primary care physician or primary cardiologist think they might be too high risk mm -hmm. and let that decision be made by a group because although the very high-risk patient palliative care might be appropriate, there are many patients who will benefit who are not being referred. Mm -hmm. So let me ask the question at the other end. So we recommend valve replacement with surgery for some asymptomatic patients, for example, with very severe aortic stenosis or with very rapid progression or a low ejection fraction and, and in the European guidelines based on BNP and mm -hmm. severe LVH. Should we be doing transcatheter valve replacement in any asymptomatic patients with severe aortic stenosis? Well, it's a very difficult question, but for the time today, no. Today, no. Maybe in the future it will come, but today the answer is no. And uh, we uh, we never done that. I think we should not do that. Because one very important principle when considering intervention in a patient uh, who is asymptomatic is it should have no major comorbidity, no um, high risk for intervention. And this does not happen in the patient we have today. Yeah, and I think there's been a bit of misunderstanding as people have read the new guidelines. They see these indications for asymptomatic patients and then they see choice of valve, but the indications in the asymptomatic patients were all in people at low risk of uh, surgical intervention. I, I think the only exception is a patient who's asymptomatic but has a low ejection fraction that appears to be due to the aortic stenosis that there's no other cause. All right, so those are, I think, great take-home points for the clinician. Do you have any other comments you'd like to make? No, I think really that uh, a very important point is now we have two sets of guidelines, the one from the SCCHA and the one from the ESC, and both are almost completely consistent. That's very important for the implementation worldwide of these guidelines, but there are still some minor differences which highlight the fact that we need more evidence in several domains in valvular heart disease, so let's work. And I think that's a great note to end on. We need more data on valvular heart disease, and you should do those research studies, and you should send them to heart so we can review them and publish them and have the world be able to see your research. So thank you very much for meeting with me today. Thanks.